Hello and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning. Hey, if you are new, I'm Charlie, uh, lead pastor here, and really glad you're here, especially if you're new, if you're joining us online, really glad all of you are worshiping with us. And as Mark said, uh, we are wrapping up today a series we've been doing over the last few weeks on relationships. And people have been asking, like, is this uh, a series like this is... Is this something that you kind of kind of come up with right now? How, how long in advance you've got to prep these things? And uh, for the most part, we planned six months at a time. And so this, this, this series was planned back in probably in September when Mark and I were meeting about this. And um, in the past, if you've been here, we, always, we do a relationship series almost every year. And almost without fail, we, we, anytime we talk about marriage, it will happen during that month that Heidi and I have some sort of really serious conflict. It's like talking about marriage, here's how I can have a healthier marriage, and then something awful happens, which so then I decided, and this was genius, what if we just didn't talk about marriage this time, which is great. That's, that's, that's the key. <laughs> Except now we're just kind of talking about, you know, uh, just kind of just like what do you do when, when there's conflict, when relationships, you know, seem to have some insurmountable problems. And, man, it doesn't matter what you talk about. Man, stuff from your past, your present, man, it's just going to completely just overwhelm you. When you start talking about things that are real and real life, you just, you see it more. It seems like it's just coming at you more. And so I hope if you've been here over these last few weeks that there has been some good just kind of processing of kind of just maybe some decisions you've made in the past with some relationships or maybe just kind of helping you kind of navigate some things right now. It certainly has been for me. And um, one of those things I've been processing, I've been processing out loud with you guys, is a story now that is, you know, over 18 years old now, when I got fired from a church in St. Louis in 2006, and catch you guys up that weren't here, I mean, part of the story is, he fires me, he tells me everything that's wrong with the church is 100% my fault, Uh, not only are you fired, but you're really just not good at this, you should never be a pastor again, consider a different career which is a difficult thing to hear from anybody, much less someone that I would have considered a really close friend. And then in the aftermath of it, he is going out to everybody in the church and, and essentially just making up stories about me to people. And it was very hurtful to me, but I was trying to be like, hey, you shouldn't do that. I was trying to reconcile with them before we moved. It didn't work. Tried to reconcile with them a little bit after we moved and it still didn't work. And so ultimately, I'm just kind of like, well, I guess this is just kind of going to be unsettled. And in my heart, I'm kind of like, like maybe forever. So I said it over here. And so now I'm in this new job. And I will just tell you a little bit. Now, we have made a decision to go work for this kind of this large church in Little Rock. Uh, it had been around for a really long time, a lot of stability. We wanted to move from church plant to stability, established leadership. You know, that was, that was our goal. So we're going to this big church, and they were going to go multi-site, where they just kind of had a lot of different campuses, but all under the same umbrella. And we were, they were headquartered in Little Rock, and we were planting a, a campus for them 
in a town called Cabot, a little bit further northeast of there. So I had this guy, he was my boss, he hired me, he'd been on staff there for 20 years, he was kind of overseeing this project, and for, I don't know, three weeks, everything was going great. And I'm sitting here and I'm meeting with him. And I don't know, I got, I, I'm just, I got a, like a vibe radar. I'm like, something's wrong, something's wrong. What's going on here? What's wrong? And he says, nothing, I'm not buying it. This was, this was on Monday. Uh, later that week, I hear about that the leaders of the church, kind of the upper levels, are kind of having a vision meeting to kind of talk about long-term strategy for this multi-site deal. And you know who was not invited? My boss, who was in charge of it. And I don't, you don't, you don't have to have vibes to know that if your boss isn't, he's not in that meeting, there's a problem. And so next Monday, I'm sitting with him. I'm like, I hear about this meeting. You weren't invited. You're not doing well. What is going on? He's like, I wasn't supposed to tell you, but you clearly figured it out on your own. Again, been on staff 20 years. I got fired. And you want to talk about, I mean, we, this word gets overused, right? I'm, tr- I'm, I'm triggered. I'm overwhelmed. Like, this, this can't be happening to me. I came here for stability, not for whatever this is. And so I'm, I'm freaking out, but he does a really good job of calming me down. Hey, blah, blah, blah. This is fine. Blah, 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 blah. So this is Monday. Later that afternoon, I get a text from kind of who would have been his boss, kind of a next level up in this org. He calls me and says, hey, man, I hear you heard about Craig. Can you and I have lunch tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, I mean, you can have lunch tomorrow. I got, I got some lunch to have with you tomorrow, right? <laughs> and so we meet on Tuesday. He's like, man, I'm so sorry. I know this has been tough for you. All the right, he says all the right things. Like we've done a reorg now and I'm now going to be overseeing the offsite campuses. And so I'm going to be your boss and we're going to, we're going to do, it's going to be great. Make sure you're caught up on this story. Monday, find out Craig has been fired. Tuesday, hanging out with the new guy. He is going to be my new boss. This is two days, this is same week. Three days later, same, same week, Friday, emergency all staff meeting is called. This dude has been fired. <laughs> Stability. It's, 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 it's overwhelming to me. And like, and like, and I'm, and I'm just, I'm just trying as I'm, as I'm just kind of processing just my, my hurt and my confusion and my frustration and what I wanted and what is happening. And ultimately, it all worked out. So then I, the following Monday, I meet with Boss 3. And Boss 3, he made it. He made it the whole time. It was great. Me and Boss 3 got along great. Um, and, uh, but it was, a, it was a rough first month of just kind of just all this pain coming back up. And really kind of the reason why that's important, not just is that it's a wild story, but just when, when I got hired, it was like, okay, you're going to start this campus. It's going to be under umbrella, but if it goes well and this happens and this happens, it could, we, we're going to want you to teach a little bit, but then maybe you can even teach more. And if you we want you to have more and more leadership and all these things. And over the course of these four years, is, there's all this turnover that's happening. And then even there's some turnover that happens really at the highest levels. Everything that they wanted to do, it changed. We wanted everything to be really really controlled. We're not really looking for someone to teach, just someone to kind of manage. There's not going to be a teaching role anymore. No real leadership, no real independence, just kind of just, you know, every, like more of a centrally controlled situation, which is fine. But I don't know what you think about me, but centrally controlled is really not, that's not, it's not, it's not, it's not my vibe. I don't want to be centrally controlled, right? 
And, and so I come to them. I was like, it seems like we've changed a lot. And like, yeah. It's like, and I said, I, I don't think this is a good fit for me anymore. And you know what they said? We agree. And you think, ooh, not, not ooh. It's, it was just true. It was just true. This wasn't true. I feel like God is growing me in these areas, and you're telling me these areas aren't what this job calls for anymore. It sounds like you need somebody different in this job. And I'm going to go this. I should go this way, and you guys go this, and then we can be fine. And it actually ended up, I've, I've got great relationships with all of them, got great relationship with that church. Every, 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 everything is good. But there came a point where it was just like, we see these things differently. And I think it's best agree to disagree and we, and we move on. And, you know, that is, that's, not just a, that's not just a church thing. It's not just a church job thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a regular job thing too. Some of my staff gets frustrated with me here at the church when I talk about people who have normal jobs and regular jobs contrast with us. They don't like, I got a regular job. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Traditional job, right? It happens in traditional jobs too, where you're like, everything's going fine, but all of a sudden something changes. Like, this isn't fit for me anymore. But it's not just a job thing. It's a relationships thing. I've got a relationship. I've got a partnership. I've got a friendship. It's working out. Everything is good. Something happens where it's like, I think we now see things differently. And I don't know that we can be friends and partners in the way that we always have been. And, and it feels weird. It feels broken. It feels uneasy. It doesn't feel right. And we don't know what to do. And, and, and really, sometimes when we talked about this last week, either everything's good or I have to hate you and put you in a trash can. And we don't know how to navigate the complicated nature of just kind of when relationships change, when things get broken, when things get difficult. So we're going to look at a story today, and it's actually a pretty short story. <clears throat> But I think it is an important one to help us understand, to kind of just give us, I think, a clear example of what we've been talking about all through these few weeks. So we know that God wants us to be loving. We talked about that early on. He wants us to be forgiving. We talked about that the first week too. He, he wants us to be people who pursue peace. He wants us to be um, people who are seeking reconciliation, going through a process by which we try to reconcile when things get broken. But sometimes just things get complicated and it seems like the simple rules don't work. And we've got an example of that, at least feels like to me, in Acts 15, starting in verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where he preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. So Paul, you may know who he is. He's kind of this missionary evangelist who had this really cool conversion to God. He used to persecute the church. It was very opposed to, 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 to being a Christian, and then Jesus kind of con confronts him on you know, post-resurrection, like on this blinding light, and, and he becomes a follower of Jesus. And people don't trust him because he's got this checkered past, and this guy Barnabas comes in and vouches for him. Hey, he, uh, he's had a genuine change of heart, change of faith. We should trust him. This great partnership comes together, and they start going on uh, these missionary trips together, where they're going out planting churches together, and you know, a lot of the, the letters in the New Testament are written by Paul and are from these churches where these things were happening. And after a few years of this, it seems like they're coming back and they're getting together. It's like, hey, Barnabas, we should go back. We should go back to all those places. We should follow up, see how they're doing. They want to go on this other trip. Maybe we should also just kind of go out and, and, and maybe go, go to different places. Let's do this again. Verse 37, 
Now, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. Hey, Barnabas, let's go out and do this thing again. It went really great the first time. I think we need to go back. We need to check on them. There's some awesome things I think that God could do through us again. Let's, let's do this. And Barnabas sends, great. Let's bring Mark with us. And Paul's like, what now? Who? 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 And apparently that in their previous trip, at some point in the town of Pamphylia, things got difficult. Things got scary. Mark got homesick. Who knows? Doesn't really say. But at some point, he deserted them. And they had to continue on without him. And now they're getting ready to do it again. And Barnabas says, let's bring him. He's like, what, the guy who deserted us? You want, you want to bring him? And, and there's some interesting word choices here um, by Luke, who, for clarity's sake, is a companion of Paul. He's with him on all of these journeys as well. And he's like, he uses the word to describe what Mark did. He deserted them. It doesn't say he left. It doesn't say he went home. It doesn't say he got sick. He uses the word deserted, a very strong word. And then it also says that a sharp disagreement came between Paul and Barnabas. Not a a disagreement, not a small conflict, not uh, an interesting debate, but a, a sharp disagreement came between them. And ultimately, we see what happens here is the dream team gets broken up. They decide to go their separate ways. And so this issue about whether or not you should take someone who has deserted you on a previous trip, whether you should give them a chance on a second trip, it's a big deal. It was a big enough deal that they had a sharp disagreement about it. They could not agree on what to do, and it broke them up. And I think this is, at a minimum, an example of this, that some issues, some issues that we face, some of them, they're just big. You know, most sermons about relationships and restoration and forgiveness, they feel like they're normal things. I said something I shouldn't have when I was angry, and now we've got to reconcile. Um, You're not doing your end of the chores in the house, and I feel taken advantage of. Those sorts of just kind of normal things that kind of call for kind of the normal principles of Forgiveness, love, you know, um, humility, you know, reconciliation, good communication. We can talk about communication. We talk about forgiveness. We talk about all these things, talk about humility. And, and, and 95% of the conflicts that we have in any given month or year could be settled by following some very simple, basic biblical truths about how we should relate to each other. But how do you resolve something like this? You've got this guy, again, who deserted them on a first missionary trip. They go on a missionary trip. It's very dangerous. And if you're going to do this, we need to make sure that everyone's got our back. You hear Paul's description of some of these trips that he went on in his letters, and he talks about all the times he's been in prison where he has been persecuted physically, the hardships that they've been, you know, where sometimes we didn't have anything to eat, shipwrecks, all sorts of things have happened And if we're going to go and we're going to do this together, we need to know that we've got each other's back. And I know for certain that guy is not, did not have our back. 
He deserted us. We can't bring him. And Barnabas is like, what are you even talking about? People used to talk about this about you. Can't trust you. Of course, we got to give him another chance. How do you resolve that? Who's, who's right in that situation? Because here's the thing how you know. Some issues are big, and here's how you know that they're big, that they're significant, that they're different. Is that what is right? What is right isn't always clear. There are certain situations where what is right, the right thing to do, the right way to resolve this, who's at fault, who's not, what needs to happen to make it better, it's clear. But some of these issues that are big, what's right isn't clear. Now, I don't know if you grew up in Sunday school, and Sunday school is kind of what we call Grove Kids here. It's kind of the kids' classrooms we had. We're kind of learning all these Bible stories. And one of my jokes is, historically, I look back, it seemed like that there are maybe exactly 52 Bible stories in the Bible, and they just kind of would just get repeated every, every, every year. And this one was in the rotation. And the way that it was told made it feel like it was simple. And maybe in the end, after all this talk that we're going to do about it, maybe we're going to agree with Sunday school. That in fact is clear. I don't, I, maybe. Maybe, they're, maybe it's not simple, but they're still right. But they made it really simple. That in fact Barnabas was in the right here. Because Barnabas was being compassionate. He was being forgiving. He wanted to give Mark another chance. And that's, that's who God has called us to be. People who give each other another chance. That's, that's what, and again, that's what Barnabas did for Paul. And that's kind of the element of the story that likes to get brought in. You know, Barnabas, is, he's compassionate. He's giving, he's giving Mark another chance. And that's good. Um, Barnabas did this for Paul, advocated for him when no one else would. And look how it turned out for Paul. How can you, Paul, now not allow him to do that thing for Mark? And that's kind of the way the story is told. But okay, And, and it's not that I disagree with that. But what does it say here from Paul? But Paul did not think it wise to take him. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? It is not wise to take someone who is a known deserter on a trip where desertion has a lot of significant consequences. No, it's, 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 not, it's not wise it's not wise to do that. He's like, well, but Paul should be more forgiving. Yeah, I forgive you. I'm, I, I believe in you, buddy. And God bless you. We're going to find a, another great place for you to use your talents. Not here, right? You just stay right here, buddy. And we're just going to let God forgive you and keep you safe and us safe from you. And we're going to let you just kind of, yeah, yeah. But we're not, I'm not going to take you over here. I'm not going to take you on the ship where the people with the rocks that like to throw them at us are, and the, and the prisons are, and the hardships are, that's not good for you. I don't want to put you in that situation again. It's not good for me because I need people to know we're going to have our back. It's not good for the movement as a whole. It's, it's, not, it's not wise. It's not smart. You need, you need, some, you need some time. And Barnum's like, he's had time. He's thought about what he's done. And I know we're reading a little bit in between the lines at points here. It's that it had been a few years. And, and we imagine that Mark, something has happened in Mark where he's like, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not that guy anymore. I, I would like another chance. I, it, it won't happen again. And so in, in, include me. 
And so you've got these two things. It is not wise for me to trust you again. I'm sorry, please give me another chance. Now, that's a Bible story about whether or not you should go on a mission trip, but do you relate to that at all? It is not wise for me to trust you. I'm sorry, give me another chance. What what do you do with that? Does what happened next determine, right? So let's just say, and there, if you, some of you may know how the story ends, some of you may not, but let's just say that it turns out that they split up, Mark goes with Barnabas, and Mark does great. Does that mean Barnabas was right and Paul was wrong? Yeah, of course it does. Well, let me ask it in reverse. If Mark goes and abandons Barnabas, does that mean Paul was right? And Barnabas shouldn't have given him the second chance and most certainly should not give him a third one. Is that what that means? Does what, does what Mark does determine whether or not what happens here was, was who made the right decision? I mean, what's right in this moment, it's not about predicting Mark's behavior. It's about what's right. Is it right in this moment as we weigh the risk of compassion and second chances with wisdom, what do I do with it? I'm spending some time this week explaining to Heidi um, what this message is going to be, what I'm going to say. I'm talking to her about it. Even yesterday, I'm talking to her about it. It's, I'm going to talk about this and the stories. And she looks at me, I swear to you, she looks at me yesterday and she goes, so you got a, you got a point you're trying to make? You got some... You got some applications maybe that you're trying to give us? And, and I said, I don't know. Maybe not. Except to say we find ourselves in these sorts of situations way more often than we wish we did. Where wisdom and compassion seem to be battling each other. What seems right and what feels right don't make sense. When, when do I enforce a boundary and when do I let someone who has hurt me in again and under what circumstances? Because the thing that I think that makes this situation so interesting is depending on what denomination or church maybe you grew up in or you have some familiarity with, all the ones that make people saints have determined that the people involved here, all saints. And and they sharply disagreed and broke up over it. Saints did that. They, they had a difficult time navigating and had to agree to disagree. There's no sense in which of how pleasant the breakup was, but it was enough of a big deal that we couldn't be like, okay, well, this time we'll take him, or this time we won't take him, but we want to, next time, like, it was just like, no, this is such a big deal, hard line in the sand, you, you are so wrong on this, I've, I, can't, I can't. I would love in my mind to think that even though they couldn't be partners anymore, that there was a measure of friendship there. But really, I, I, if I have a point, it would be, man, it really is hard sometimes. Knowing the right thing to do when life gets at its most complicated. And if I were to put out to you some sort of answer, okay, here's how you can know what to do when you face this situation. It would be the most complicated spreadsheet you have ever seen in your life 
where we've got on this side exactly the nature of your relationship. Is it an essential relationship? Is it an optional relationship? All the way from marriage to uh, nuclear family to extended family to longtime friends. So what is the what is the nature of your relationship and what is the length of the relationship? Now, maybe it's a 3D matrix, right? Where you got you got the, the type of relationship, the length of the relationship, the nature of the fence, the number of times that offense has happened, the, the, the consequences that come from it, and you put all of this together, and maybe by the time we've drawn out this four-dimensional matrix. We could figure it out. But the reality of it is, real life is complicated. And these situations are big. But, as I alluded to, there is another element to the story. And and if I do have a point to make, maybe it is this one. We're now going to fast forward a few decades, actually. This, this, This breakup has happened. We go on these missionary journeys. And it's interesting as we think about who's right. Barnabas seems like the nice one, so maybe he's right. The guy who wrote who wrote the story, who seems to be making it somewhat in favor of Barnabas, actually chose to be on Team Paul because he's writing, he continues to write this book from Paul's perspective. We don't really know what happened to, to Barnabas and Mark. Luke's off with them. So we, 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 we know what happens here. And he goes on all these journeys, and something happens with Barnabas and Mark. Now, decades have gone by. And now we're to the writing of the book called Second Timothy, which Paul is writing to kind of one of his top apprentices, protégés, a guy named Timothy, who was a pastor in a church. And Paul was in prison for the nth time, but ultimately for the last time. This is the last book he writes, and pretty soon after he writes it, he dies. And he's trying to encourage Timothy to hang in there. And in the process, he's going through all these things, talking about what it means for Timothy to stay strong, stay faithful. In the end, he's just kind of talking about a lot of people. This person abandoned me. This person abandoned me. When I was on trial, the people wouldn't show up. And he's just talking about all this pain and all this heartache that he's had as he's kind of processing all of this. And we get here to 2 Timothy 4, verse 11. And he says this to Timothy. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. We don't really know. Again, the stories that we have follow what happens over here. We don't know what happens over here. We only know here at the very end when these two stories finally converge together. Of all the people, all these people have abandoned me. These people are doing okay. Say hi to them. There is only one person that Paul is asking Timothy to bring with him when you come. Go get him. He means a lot to me. So the guy that Paul had given up on, but Paul is like, we can't have a guy like this. The guy that Barnabas refused to give up on. He's back. And Paul sees this new Mark and and needs him. He is very useful to me. So things can be big. Issues can be big. What right isn't clear, but hear me say this. Whatever is going on in the relationships in your life, both past and present, you need to make sure that you are always leaving space for grace and redemption. You need to leave space for that. You need to leave space. Paul is over here living his life 
done with Mark. And unfortunately, as a consequence of that, I can't be with Barnabas anymore. I got to go do my thing over here. And meanwhile, whatever God is doing in the life of Mark is happening over here. And at some point, these stories come back together and he sees and experiences this new Mark. God did something over here in the life of Mark. Even though Paul thought, again, right or wrong, I need to separate myself from this. This is not a good partnership for me right now. In the end, he saw saw who Mark was becoming and left space for God to do something really cool in the life of Mark. So I'm on staff in Cabot at this church for about four years. Fall of 2010, I take a job in Fayetteville, Arkansas at the Grove Church. I'd been here maybe a couple of months when I get a text from my former friend, former boss in St. Louis. Hey, my kids are um, coming to the U of A and I'm, I'm dropping one of them off. Is there any way uh, you and I could have breakfast and talk? What's right in that moment is actually, I would like to say it's not clear. It was pretty clear what I needed to do. What I wanted to do wasn't clear. Because what I wanted to do was, I don't know who this is. Right? I mean, I don't know how, I don't even know how I got a number. I changed the number. I don't, how, I don't even know how I got a number. Charlie who? I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, that, that, was, that, would, have been, that would have been easy. That would have been easy. But it was clear. It was clear in that moment it wasn't right. So I said, sure. Again, this has been almost five years now. So we're hanging out. Where else? Chick-fil-A, North College. Um, We're talking. We're catching up on life and kids and St. Louis Cardinal baseball. And then finally he gets to it. He says, man, I was in a really dark place several years ago. I was failing just professionally and just at the worst spot maybe I'd ever been in personally. And I made a decision in that moment to scapegoat you and blame you for all of the personal failures that I was going through. And in the process, I know I hurt you. I know I said some things I shouldn't have. And I want you to know I'm incredibly sorry. And I wish you would forgive me. And I would like to think that we could become friends again. I miss your friendship. And it meant a lot to me. And again, I'm not going to lie to you. There was a part of my heart that felt like maybe I had not, we had not fully covered the details. Like, do you remember doing this? Do you remember doing this? Do you remember saying this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And maybe he hadn't paid enough. The reality is I didn't know what, I didn't know what price he'd paid. I really don't know what the last five years of it like. I do know a little bit. I knew he wasn't pastoring that church anymore. I knew that church didn't exist anymore. I knew he was not doing anything in ministry as a career anymore. I knew that. I knew those things had happened. But I was over here living my life, and meanwhile, God was doing this thing in him. And our stories came back together. And in my heart, I had to say yes. I would like that too. Thank you very much. 
And sure, on one level, I had already forgiven him. But we weren't restored. But in my heart, I had to leave, I had to leave my heart open for that. Because God is always doing a work. He is always working. He's always pursuing redemption. He's always pursuing forgiveness. And for whatever reason, we may be in relationships where I can't be involved in it anymore. But I'm not going to hold on to bitterness. I'm not going to hold on to hatred. I'm not going to hold on to anger. I'm not going to wish the worst on them. I'm not going to judge them. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let God do what God is going to do. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Revenge, punishment, retribution, consequences. That's God's, that's God's role. Mine is to forgive and, and, and live my life and let God do what God's going to do. And what God did was bring him back into my life. And I have to have a heart to say that I'm open to that. And depending on who you are and where you are and what you're struggling with, I mean, we've got, we've, we've got some past and we've got some present. Divorces, estrangements, broken friendships, destroyed partnerships. We've got all sorts of things that we've dealt with and are dealing with. And we have to love. We have to forgive. We have to have a healthy heart. We have to let God do what God's going to do. And if God brings them back, we need to let our heart be able, we have to open up our hearts for the possibility of real forgiveness and real restoration. It's not easy. The rules can be simply described. Love people. Forgive. Pursue peace. Take the initiative and reconciliation. Trust God. They can be simply said, but, but in real life can be complicated. But no matter how complicated or hurt or broken our relationship is now, let us always be the people like Jesus who is constantly pursuing, constantly hoping for repentance and reconciliation and leave our heart out and open for that and all of the brokenness that is around us. Let me pray. God, I just got to confess, I crave simple. I, I crave easy. I crave things that follow clear rules. And God, I wish things that were right always felt good. But life is so different than that. So God, in 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 when confronted with life. God, I pray that we would be loving people, that we would be quick to forgive and not to punish, that we would trust you, we would pursue peace, we would initiate reconciliation when it's, when it's possible. And God, that we would model your son, Jesus Christ, to always wish and leave our hearts open for redemption, grace, and forgiveness. And God, I pray for all of the broken relationships, God, that we're all in a knot about right now. I pray for that redemption. I pray for the restorations of heart, whether it's our heart that needs to get right or their heart or both. The God that you do a renewing work and bring life, hope, and peace to our relationships. 
And as always, we're so thankful for your son, Jesus, who makes this possible. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover on our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.